Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. This week on the show, we have Meg Hutchins, a former AFLW player and current captain of the VFLW Hawthorne Football Club. Meg is also a football coach and gym owner. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello. Hey, how are you going? Going well, mate. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me. This is very technologically advanced for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit it's a bit different what I'm doing, but I, I feel like it keeps it all uh, open and honest, you know, classic Hawthorne mode. Love that, <laughs> love that. And I love the beanie, done well. Yeah, that, actually that's just me keeping warm, but it, <laughs> I'll go, the Hawks are having to play tonight, so good timing. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's dive straight into it, Meg. Uh, take it back to the beginning. At what age did you start playing the game? And... When did you discover you had a passion for, for taking it seriously and wanting to play at the, the highest level? Yeah, look, as with probably a lot of people, I um, started playing as a little tacker, so um, very, very long, like, very long time ago. Um, but, yeah, I was a young little kid and uh, the only girl in the whole competition. Um, yeah, right. So, what, comp, what comp was that? Uh I'm not 100% sure. It's probably what is now known as the Arrow Junior Footy League. But um, yep. So I played for the, for the Q Juniors, which was just down the road from where I lived with a lot of school friends. Um, but, yeah, only girl on the comp there and um, played all the way through basically until the rules um, uh, at Football Victoria at that stage um, said that I couldn't play any longer. So, um, yeah, pretty much um, stopped playing then and stopped playing for about you know, eight or ten years. Um, oh, wow. there was there was no real pathway. Um, so my yeah. passion was there, um, but there was no pathway for me to play. So, so what age um, what age did you have to stop? Oh, look, I'd, probably about twelve, I reckon. Yeah. Okay. About yeah. twelve. So um, yeah, so I just went off and did other things and played other sports. I ran water for my brother's footy team, so that was my involvement in football. Um, yes. So yeah, I did that, and then probably around about. 2020, 2021, I started playing senior footy again. So um, started playing for who was then called the Deacon Devils uh, in the yep. in the Victorian Women's Football League, um, and that was in 2003. Was my first year of senior footy. Right, and how did you get your body right with that gap? You know, from a 12 year old to to 21. I mean, you're still young at 21, but. That, you know, you're in the adult game there. You can't just play games and recover and play another game like two days later like a, like yeah. a 12-year-old can. How did you? No. <laughs> were, you, were you staying active? Like was it just a matter of getting fit in pre-season? Take us through. Yeah, yeah. It was – Um. well, I, I, I was a, a sort of sport head really. I, any sport that I could be involved in whilst I wasn't playing football, I, I played. So, yeah, I played hockey at school and basketball. I got heavily involved in rowing. So. Um, right. probably more so through my senior years when I was at school. Um, so that sort of taught me a lot about work ethic and um, sort of started me in terms of this whole strength and conditioning and that was sort of my first experience really uh, of detailed strength and conditioning stuff. So, um, yeah, got involved in that and, and that sort of prepared me from a physical point of view and a um, skills in terms of work ethic point of view to then um, start playing footy. But 
yeah, it was, you know, when we first started playing football at that, that time, we didn't have strength and conditioning coaches. We didn't have anything really. Um, it was yeah. our head coach that was prescribing all of our fitness um, stuff. And, and um, you know, he would excuse me for saying it, but he would, wouldn't have much of an idea about any form of strength and conditioning training um, whatsoever. So it was your traditional, you know, 10 100s and <laughs> off you yep. went. Run a lap. Yep. And, and, so eight years where you couldn't play, uh, at what, and then as soon as the game was back, you jumped in, or was there a couple of years where the game was back but you weren't you weren't playing? You were doing rugby, uh, rowing, and and hockey. Yeah, uh, pretty much as soon as um, as soon as footy was, as soon as I realised footy was back for me, I, I was all in. Um, so right, yeah. I was as a little kid, I was it was my big true passion really so as soon as I could get into it I could I could um yeah throw myself in so I still stayed involved from a a, um a rowing point of view but then I sort of just moved away from that and probably enjoyed my sleepings a bit bit more (laughs) yeah yeah, fair enough and and how did the gum how did the game come back to Victoria how did women get back to playing footy at that time was was there uh, like a petition? You know, was there a lot of noise? Was it just something that just uh, weighed in numbers that the game started up again? Take us. Oh time? well, no, it was. It was it, the game had been like so. The v, Victorian Women's Football League VWFL had been had been going before I, I sort of came back to footy. Um, yep. It had been going for probably about ten to fifteen years, from what I understand, but. Um, from 2003 onwards, it sort of gradually started building and building from, um, you know, the, the, the committee that ran the VWFL, um, all volunteers, but all players and all um, administrators, but they sort of really started building and generating. And um, Debbie Lee herself um, was involved at Melbourne Footy Club at that point in time. So she got the backing of the, of the Melbourne Footy Club and then also the Western Bulldogs to then start, um, you know, from a sponsorship point of view, get involved in women's football. So. That's where it sort of started gradually building. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the rallying from, um, you know, our pioneers and our, um, you know, your Debbie Lees of the world, you know, mm. women's football wouldn't be where it is right now without um, the push, the pushing of her um, yeah. and the driving of that from, from her and a lot of many other um, amazing women. Yeah, fantastic. And so 21, you're playing at Deakin. At what point did you recognise that you had a talent for the game and that you wanted to take it to the next level? Um, well, my, my first year of footy, uh, I, I played in the um, Country V Metro game, so I was selected in the Vic Metro team, and um, we sort of just, it was very um, early on, but that was sort of, I think it was almost the first women's football game that was played on the MCG, so that was pretty exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, so and then my my second year of football, oh, so that year I won um, the best first year player for the competition, and then the next year, um, lucky enough to, to get selected in the state team. And then uh, we went on and won the national championships. And, um, yeah, I did a, a couple of things okay that year and won the league BNF. And so that probably, to me, um, sort of showed that – or showed myself um, that I was capable of doing a few good things on the field. So, um, yeah, needed to make sure that I backed it up year to year. Yeah. And did that change your enjoyment of the game? Like, you know, where you you're, um maybe taking a little bit more seriously, there might be a little bit more expectation, a bit more pressure, or did you still have as much fun um, of the game like you were, you know, like a kid out there still playing? 
Yeah, no, I, I still I still thoroughly enjoyed the game as much as I had when I was a kid. Um, obviously, the, the little bit more pressure came from a um, performance point of view from, I guess, there was a, probably a little bit more attention that was directed towards your way. But, I mean, that still um, didn't sway my enjoyment of it. I mean, for for female footballers for so long, and, I mean, it is really uh, still the case is that we, we just play footy for the fun of it. Um, there was never any, any pay or any... Um, accolades really external to within the league or clubs that sort of drove us it was all more so you have to have fun and you have to enjoy yourself um because you know that's all there is really so yeah and that's always something that i've carried on through you know 18 19 odd years is that you always have to find the fun in whatever you do particularly football um because you know the the pay may or may not be there so what is the why to for for participating in and uh and being involved yeah, awesome. That's a great, great philosophy for, for developing footballers to tune in on and, and note down. So you, you're playing at Deakin. Um, you mentioned you're having a great year. Where did you go from, from Deakin to Collingwood? Was it Deakin straight to Collingwood or was there another team involved? Yeah, it was. It was um, yeah, so De- the Deakin Devils became the Eastern Devils and, and we sort of played along um, at, at local footy for a number of years. And then yeah, as I mentioned before, Debbie Lee sort of started driving this exhibition series that started. So, um, you know, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs got on board and there was an exhibition series that started in 2013. Um, yep. So it was a couple of games a year uh, where that, that happened. Um, we got to play on, on yeah, some amazing grounds and represent actual AFL teams in Melbourne and the Bulldogs, which was, which was incredible. Um, and then we played our first broadcast game, which was which was fantastic for the um, yeah it was an exhibition, but an exhibition of women's football, and actually put that in front of the eyes of people. Mm. Um, and then from there, um, yeah, the announcement that came that the, the AFLW was going to start in in well initially it was 2020, um, but uh, they brought it forward to 2017, and I kind of thought, well, why 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 not Collingwood have a team? And I mean, I, I grew up barracking for Collingwood and wanted to get involved in that sort of capacity. So, yeah, I just wrote an email to, um, <laughs> just, you know, just write an email, just write an email yeah. to, to the then CEO, Gary Pert, and, um, and said, look, you know, I think Collingwood needs to have a, have a team in the inaugural year of AFLW and, and I'd like to, to help them get that team. So, um, yeah, long story short, I ended up, getting a job at Collingwood, putting the whole thing together and then playing there. So um, wow. yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was a pretty um, whirlwind um, couple of months, that's for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty incredible experience. And as I said, I, I grew up barracking for the pies and um, to, to be able to actually represent the club was a, an amazing experience. And um, yeah, it was something I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah. What a story. That's, uh, that's super inspiring. So what got you to write the email? You just thought, Let's put it out there and, and see what comes of it. Yeah, look, it was probably a little bit of pressuring from um, from, from my mum and, and sister and partner. Uh, yep. <laughs> they sort of said, look, you know, strike while the iron's hot and uh, why yeah. not, like, you know, what, what's there to lose in terms of writing a letter and, and, and actually just saying, hey, you know, I want to be involved. So, um, yeah, they sort of backed me in to do it and, and, um, and suggested it was going to be a good idea and, yeah, so I pressed send and I said, yeah, well, that's, that's probably the, the philosophy. It's like, well, what's there to lose? Um, yep. if, if the worst that could happen is I don't get a reply at all and I could get a no, but, 
you know, at least I've flagged the, the intention and, and the desire to want to help. So, yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned you started working there first before being drafted. Um, did you, it was a managerial role, was it? Yeah. So they, they put me on as a uh, football operations manager. So pretty much I was the only employee at the club that was um, responsible for putting the whole women's team and program together. Um, so that was pretty daunting, um, pretty yeah. stressful. Um, but it was an incredible experience and um, yeah, a lot of great learnings from it for me professionally. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a big, big task in terms of also educating the, the club and educating people within the club in terms of what women's football is all about. And this is what um, female footballers need from a perf- performance and, and, um, and club point of view. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a big task, but it was a really, really enjoyable one at the same time. So I imagine the first step was, would be get a coach and then from there <laughs> get players and start like, where do you start with a beast like that? Creating a club, that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. It was, yeah, get a coach um, and then get a, a, a group of coaches. I mean, we didn't really have a massive budget at all, um, yeah. you know, in terms of, yeah, I couldn't put a figure on it, but it wasn't much. Um, you know, so how am I supposed to resource this program um, to best mm. set it up? That's probably the, the most difficult thing. It was, you know, get a coach, but then who's next? Um, do I need to get a recruitment person? Do I need to get someone in charge of just getting property? You know, I was yeah. a property manager as well at the time and football operations and everything else. So it was, um, yeah. yeah, it was List pretty challenging. manager and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. You'd, you'd pick up a lot of like a lot a big growth period I can imagine like yeah. you're now running a a business yourself with body fit um, while playing and and um, you know I imagine you'd learn to delegate a lot of leadership qualities um, take us through what what was the biggest challenge of, of that role and and what did you enjoy about it as well yeah it um it, it's probably taught me that it's okay to ask for help. That's probably the main thing. Um, I kind of felt at the time um, I was sort of responsible for doing everything and, and I kind of felt that at the time. I felt that if I was to ask for help, it, should, it, was a, um, it showed that I was not capable of doing my job, which is totally not the, the, the way that it goes. Um, so that was a massive learning for me is that actually, you know, if you don't know something, if you need assistance with something in particular that's not sort of in your area of strength, then actually go to someone that actually is is uh, very good at that as well. So that was a huge learning for me um, is that, yeah, ask for help if you need help and, and learn by that process and learn off that person. Mm. Yeah, okay. And then so then when did the season start and how did you go from basically creating the club to then being, being drafted and being a player in the same <laughs> year as well? Like that's a... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was a, it was a very short amount of time. I think the announcement happened in you know August or thereabouts in terms of when what what was happening, and then the the season started in in March or February actually February. So um, yeah, sort of it, it all sort of blurs into a lot of different things. But it was yeah, it was a start profiling list, start building a club, start getting organised in terms of uniforms what change room, where are they going to go and everything like that. So it was a short turnaround, definitely. Um, mm. the, 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 the list build mechanism was um, any person or individual that was currently associated with a, with a club 
um, could be selected as a, um, I think they called it a priority selection. So the yep. the club um, wasn't my decision. I'll put it out here. It wasn't my decision to draft myself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the club the clubs um, use that um, that list build mechanism to to put me onto the list. Um, yeah, that's how you know Karen Paxman became um, became a member of Melbourne um, as an example. So if you had an association or an employed by that particular club, then that was a the way to get onto the list. So um, luckily for me, I didn't have to sit through a, a draft day and and bite my nails. Hope that I get selected. Yeah, yeah. And how did you find playing at that level? What 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 was the step up like? And um, how did you guys go that year as well? Yeah, the step up was it was uh, from from the exhibition series and national carnivals, which was really had been the first and, and the most um, highest I'd, I'd reached in terms of playing. That it was, the main thing for me was the speed of the game. Um, that was probably the, the biggest one. Um, so that was that was probably the biggest biggest step. Um, they removed two players, so we ended up playing with sixteen instead of eighteen on the field. So yeah, how you best utilize those 16 players and and how the speed of the game actually goes um yeah yeah, everyone everyone really that was playing was the best of the best in their in their state so um every week he came up and up against some incredible players and it was really really challenging so um we didn't go as great as we wanted to that year um but you know I, i think that first year it was very much about how um how quickly a team was able to click on field um, was was the main thing. So we didn't quite have that that year, um, but uh, it was an incredible, incredible year. Yeah. And and who have been at this point in your career? So you've got drafted and you're playing and you're you know, fulfilling your dream, playing, especially playing for your, the team that you grew up going for. Who were some strong influences and mentors, if you like, at that point or getting to you to that point, I guess? Um. Yeah, there's probably a, a, a number of a number of people, um, but more so. I mean, one person in particular who influenced the way that I sort of went about my football was, um, you know, one of my really really good friends now. Um, she was my captain at the Eastern Devils, Lou Watton. So, yeah, she probably more so was an influence from a uh, a standards point of view. She really set standards for us at the club and and showed a lot of us what work rate and work ethic was all about so it was fantastic to be led by her and to be surrounded by um her and have her as a as a friend to um to, to watch and learn off um yeah so there, i mean there's a number of people uh, who who had influenced what i uh, you know uh, to that point you know a lot of coaches i had through the exhibition series michelle cow and um craig Starsevich and you know just to name a few you know their ability to coach me how to play you know the role that i played at that time was really, really great as well. And they sort of showed great faith in what I was able to do. So, yeah, sort of just pick and choose. There's no sort of one main influence uh, as such to that point in time. Um, a lot of different people had a, had a real influence on, on how I developed. Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back after this short break to explain our most popular coaching program. I want to introduce you to Prepare Like a Pro Individualised. You'll train like a true professional with an intelligently designed program. We ensure everything is covered to optimally prepare yourself for game day. This premium package is for those that want a personal coach in their corner. The individualization starts with an in-depth questionnaire to really understand your goals and where you need support. 
Your coach will then tailor your program to suit around your school, work and sporting schedule. We will derive a Get Better plan, the GBP, which will be a step-by-step -step progression to help you achieve your dreams of elite performance. The GPP program takes a holistic approach. We focus on individualized running and gym work to help make you the strongest and fastest version of you, as well as a comprehensive lifestyle coaching around nutrition, sleep, and stress management. We use objective measures such as GPS, your technique footage, and gym loads to provide you with progress reports. You'll be learning from our presentations, taking food diaries, tracking your sleep, and learning how to nail your recovery. Our multifaceted approach aims to build you into the best athlete you can be, allowing you to change direction quicker, jump higher, run faster, and repeat high intensity efforts for longer. Overall, you'll become more focused on the field and resilient to injury. Ultimately, if you want to prepare like a pro, this is the package for you. Head to our Inquire Now page and we will contact you today. And you're now a, a coach as well, working in the, in the private sector um, with footballers. What would be some key messages that you uh, are often telling you know, or you know, educating developing footballers? Um, yeah, that yeah I, think, your way. I think the main thing is that you have to recognise um, and appreciate what your strengths are and actually own them. I think that's really, really good. I think a lot of people... A lot of footballers tend to identify and, and um, always think about their weaknesses and be like, oh, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at this. Well, actually, you know, what are you actually really good at? And make that a real weapon. Um, mm -hmm. you know, one of my coaches always called that your one wood. You know, make that your absolute weapon and make that into the best that it can possibly be. Yes, you need to make sure you focus on and, and develop and make your, um, make your weaknesses your strengths as well. That's a really, really important thing. But appreciate it and actually really make sure you've got a really, really good weapon and, um, and develop that the best you can because that's, that's also going to make you stand out too. So whether or not it's your kicking ability, uh, whether or not it's your marking ability, your ground balls, make them just the best of the best they could possibly be. Um, yep. But then, yeah, I think the really other important thing is be really competent on both sides of your body. Like yeah. For me, you know, for me as a, as a young player and, and even as an old player going all the way through, you know, I never really worked on my left, left side of my body until, I mean, to be honest, until the last sort of five to six or so years of, of playing football um, mm. until I got involved in, in sort of AFLW and, and exhibition series as well. Um, that was sort of the next step for me is actually, okay, I need to actually make this better and how am I going to make myself better as well? So. I think that's a, a big thing is that make sure you're really comfortable um, going on both sides. Yeah, and I, I can imagine that would make it a lot easier at the higher level the earlier you start because uh, yeah, the higher yeah, level well, you're playing, the harder it is. The, 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 the higher up you get in terms of, of, um, of football, the faster the game gets and, and you need to have the ability, you know, if you're getting out of a, a situation, you need to be able to bail, bail yourself out um, yeah. and... Yeah, I do call sometimes that, that opposite foot a bailout kick sometimes, but you've got to be able to be confident and confident to be able to do that as well. So, um, you know, immediately as soon as you turn yourself um, onto your preferred foot, you turn yourself into trouble. So you've got to be able to actually um, get yourself out of trouble on the opposite side. Yeah, similar sort of um, topic of discussion, but you've played with a lot of 
uh, high-level footballers and, and, and great teams, what are some common, doesn't have to be just physical attributes and, and skill attributes, but even the mental side as well that you've noticed and, and taken into your game? I, I think the, the real big thing, particularly for female footballs, is that ability and, and confidence to, to get a, um, a contested ball, whether or not it's in a, in a marking situation or in a ground ball situation. That's probably the, the biggest thing for me is that that's, that stands out. Um, from a from a performance point of view, you've got to be able to, you know, you, you, you've got a 50-50 ball, you have to make it into a 60-40 or a 70-30 or 100% your way. Um, so that's, that's probably the thing that, that stands out to me in terms of the, 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 the better players, I guess, and the ones that um, set the standards are the ones that actually see a situation um, that could be 50-50 and they make it into um, something more in their favour. So... Um, yeah, the contested marking situations and the contested ball on the ground, they're a real, real big one. And for young footballers that are listening that want to improve that area, uh, maybe they're not winning all their contested balls on, on game day, what, what are some tips and, and tricks, I guess, that they can do to, to improve that area of their game? It's, it's a lot of practice. It really is a lot of practice. Um, and it's just repetitive, um, repetitive efforts with the ball on the ground, particularly for ground balls, um, but also from a, a physical preparation sort of side of things. You need to make sure you're really strong through your hips and your, and your, and your legs as well um, to be able to hold a, a, you know, a reasonably good and, and deep squat as well. I think you know, the ground ball very much is a squat. It's not yeah. a, a hip hinge. I mean, yes, you've got a hip hinge like where you're bending over, but it is actually a squat. And once they get confident and, um, and, and strong in that position in particular, that, that's what makes them very, very strong when it comes to a ground ball situation. So, yeah, strength for the hips and, and a nice deep squat and have that mobility as well, um, that's a really, really big key thing. Yeah, nice. That's, that's a couple of really good points there. So, yeah, obviously practising the skill that you want to get better at. And, and would you have... You know, is that with a mate at the end, grab a bag and, and doing, rep, you know, another mate to, to do the ground balls and just doing it, like you said, over and over and over again. What sort of cues are you focusing on with the ground ball? Um, and, and what sort of, when you pick it up, what are you doing with it? Yeah, the, yeah, it is repetitive. And sometimes you can do a lot of things just by yourself in terms of actually just practicing the mechanism as to how to pick the ball up. For me, mm. it's, it's, it's all about actually being centered over the ball. Um, not sort of leaning over to pick it up because you tend to be pretty unbalanced. Um, so actually be really quite balanced in where you pick the ball up. So for me, it's actually um, you kind of step over the ball with that front foot and then get yourself down nice and low so you're actually completely over it. Um, that's also from a, a strength point of view and, and ball protection point of view. If you're completely over the football, then you yeah. tend not to be knocked off it and have a nice wide stance with your legs. Um, so that's probably the, the biggest key is that, yeah, if you're coming in from the side or, um, yeah, you turn your body and then you step one foot over, squat down and actually pick the ball up. That's probably the big one. Um, and then you're in a really, really strong position once you do win the football with a, um, you know, into a, into a deep squat to actually drive out of that from a power mm. point of view to actually get out and, and, and drive away from that contest too. So um, particularly, as I said, as a comparison between the squat or the, the bent over, you're not in a strong yeah. position to drive out of that position if you're just bending over to pick the ball up. If yep. you're squatting over the ball and actually really driving away, then you're in a really good position to actually go in a lot of different directions too from a squat. Yeah, nice. 
The um, the strength and conditioning you mentioned earlier, how um, coaches were doing it um, back at Deakin. At what point did strength and conditioning coaches come into the game? And uh, and in that area, how have you seen that progress? When were you first exposed to it? Yeah, it's um, I was reflecting on that today. Actually, I don't really feel like I was exposed to really pure um, strength and conditioning training until oh look, it was early in the 2010s, I think. You know, once we actually started doing um, you know, a little bit higher level from a state football point of view, but then we were had academies, state academies. Um, we actually had a, a strength and conditioning coach um, who would give us programs, strength programs, running programs, everything like that to actually try and, um, you know, educate a lot of the players first yep. and foremost, but then also develop them from a physical point of view. So that was probably my first exposure to it from a football point of view. Yes, I'd had that from a um, when I was involved in rowing from, a, from yep. an extent, from rowing um, myself but also coaching, but then actually doing it from a football point of view. Yeah, it wasn't really until, you know, 20, I would say 2012, 2013 really where I had that experience um, with a real strength and conditioning coach. And then from there it sort of built um, into, into now. Yeah, okay. And then what about the other areas of preparation, whether it be sports psychologists, uh, dietitians, um, yeah, assistant coaches, line coaches? When did the game really start to change where there was a, a bit more of a support football department? Yeah, it's probably around about that time as well, I think. Um, yeah. Is that, you know, the, the standards and the professionalism of women's football really started picking up. Um, as mm-hmm. I said, around about that sort of 20... 2012, 2013 time when it, when we're thinking like these exhibition series were starting to come up, a uh, little bit more, um, a little bit more higher level and, and a little bit more, a lot more professional when it came to representing your state at the national carnival as well. So we had yeah nutritionists and and um, access to, but we didn't have a specific club psych or anything like that. But it was access to to that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was around about then, and then. Um, what I'm experiencing, obviously, now at Hawthorne is, uh, you know, something I'd, I'd never experienced and never dreamt of, really, um, right. way back then. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. But, yeah, having even just line coaches um, at, uh, at exhibition series level, so, yeah, 20, 2014 onwards, that was uh, incredible. And take us through what, what Hawthorne now has as a support team. Oh, well, everything, everything you could wish for as a player, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you got your... You, you got your um your general manager of VFL and VFLW. You've got your football operations manager. You've got then um, football operations assistant that does a lot of the admin and um, property. Then we've got a, a club, a, t- a team dietitian, a team psych, head coach, line coaches, development coaches, um, strength and conditioning coaches. We've now also got um, anyone t- all, all our um, data tracking, GPS, everything like that. We've got, um, you know, data analysts from a performance point of view in terms of stats and game trends and everything like that. So it's just we're, we're so incredibly lucky and so well looked after um, and we feel that we've got all the resources there to be, to be the best that we could possibly be. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty, a pretty incredible program and pretty um, well resourced. Yeah, and obviously you had some great success there in 2018. Was that your first year at the club, the premiership year? Or? Yeah, 2018 was my first year at the club. So, um, 
leading into that, um, I last year at Collingwood was 2018. Um, yep. They they actually delisted me, which was a bit heartbreaking, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, happens to the best of us. Um, <laughs> no, but they, they delisted me. And, and look, to be honest, I, my whole, um, a lot of my philosophies in life is everything happens for a reason. And um, yeah, so if, it, if I hadn't have been delisted by by the pies, I would have would never have wound up at Hawthorne. So yeah, ended up at Hawthorne in 2018, and um, they say the rest is history. Mm. And do you think you you, <laughs> you, uh, you started Collingwood's AFLW team? Is it going to be maybe something you add to the resume? Hawthorne's uh, AFLW team could be well, something to initiate. I, I, I feel I feel like um, they're already an AFLW team and program in waiting. So. Um, yeah, I feel like it's going to be a big job, or you know, as it is, to get it going again. But I think the the hard work's already done, the groundwork's done, the club is fully invested. There's a, a firm um, belief and understanding, and 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 everything from the club's point of view is that they they get it. I mean, it's probably mm-hmm. how I best describe it. They just get it. They understand what women's football is all about. Um, they're they're all in, and I think it's a it's an AFLW program ready to go. So. Just need to get that license and off they go. But yeah, I'd love to yeah. be involved in any capacity and um, yeah, it's it's been a, a joy to be part of. Yeah, and 250 games. Take us through what that milestone um, felt like to to achieve. Yeah, look, I, I um, I'd always like you never really sort of set your goal. You know, when you first started playing, you know, oh, I want to play this amount of games and I want to do this and this and this. Like obviously, always the premiership is the the biggest driving motivator, motivating factor. Um, but, yeah, I sort of got to the end of the 2019 season and um, and I was I think I was sort of 10, 10 or so games off and then obviously we had that big shutdown last season where we didn't play a game. And so I thought, well, I'd really love to, to reach that milestone. You know, for female footballers, it's it's pretty significant given, yeah. you know, a, lo- a lot of us, you know, when we first started playing, um, you know, we'd play – 12, 13 games a season, and that was it. Um, so mm-hmm. to even reach fit, 100 games in uh, yeah, 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 to, yeah. To even reach 100 games in women's football is a, a pretty incredible um, amount of time you dedicate. So, yeah, for me to, to get to that point was I was really, really happy and really proud of, and, um, yeah, it makes me, you know, I, I call I probably looked after myself well enough from a physical point of view to get to this point. So I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah, and and how's it going this year? Obviously, a little a, a lockdown, so a bit of a uh, bump in the in the road. But how's the team going? And uh, your captain now is is Lou, a part of the leadership group. Um, yeah, take us through how the club's going and the team. Um, yeah, look, we had a, a fair list turnover at the end of 2019 um, with a few retirements. Uh, a lot of our more senior players got drafted, which is incredible, and and so great for the for the club. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the season this year hasn't gone um, as well as we'd hoped from a, a, a win point of view, but I think from a um, from a cultural and, and team development and, and also um, sort of building towards something that's bigger in terms of AFLW, it's been a real success, I feel. And, yeah, the, the shutdown itself hasn't been great. We've got two, two games to go, so we've kind of waiting and waiting until yeah. we can play out. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to qualify for finals this year, but we'd like to be able to finish off our last two games of the season um, really, really well. Um, and, 
yeah, and set some some new standards for for years to come. Um, Lou's still involved. She's not playing anymore. She's a, a div- uh, she's actually assistant coach and she's a midfield coach now. So that's really really great to still have her involved. And um, yeah, I think she she's one of the the best rucks I've ever seen play the game. So I think they're in good hands with the midfield. That's for sure. We've got a couple of questions that have come through. Matt McLeish, good Hawthorne man. What's your dream situation for women's footy in five years from now? Wow, Matty McLeish. My dream situation in five years' time is that every single AFL team is, has an AFLW team. So there's an 18-team AFLW competition. Um, they all play each other at least once um, to make it fair and even. Um, and that uh, we see some of those games played on the MCG. That'd be that's probably in five years what I, I would hope to see um, yep. achieved. And and in five years' time, um, Hawthorne is winning an AFLW premiership on the MCG. How's that, Maddie? <laughs> it's a good dream. Let's uh, let's make it a reality, hey? The absolutely. The so eighteen teams. So how many are there at the moment? Uh, so we've got four teams to go. So um, four teams, there's yeah. Haw- yeah, so Hawthorne, Essendon, uh, Sydney and Port Adelaide to go and that's it. So, yeah, not, not many to go. Um, hopefully it's in, in a, a, few, a few moments' time and we're, we're in. So we just have to wait and see. When the AFL have said that it's going to happen, you know, I'm pretty sure they've said by 2023 all teams will be in. So, or okay. 24, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's not not too far. We're hoping we're hoping from a Hawthorne point of view, it's sooner rather than later. Absolutely. This one's in from Tori. What's your favourite cross training session outside of footy? Uh, hi Tori. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi Tori. Nice nice of you to join in. Um, oh, I actually like. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, I'm involved um, from a business point of view, owning a, a BFT studio, body fit training studio in in Ocean Grove, but I like doing that, but I also like getting out in the open, in the air, and going for bike rides, going for trail runs at at oh, at, Tor- at Tory's farm. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, and no, I do like getting out into the into the fresh air and, and enjoying it. So riding and um, surfing, surfing's good fun as well. But yeah, get into the gym as best as I can and do those sessions. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for jumping on, Meg. Take us through what you're uh, excited about for 2021. What's, um, what's top of mind for you this year? Yeah, 2021. Um, look, I'm excited by... The, the, oh, my dog just jumped over the, uh, <laughs> the cords of my, my phone. Um, I'm excited by seeing, you know, what women's football is going to look like over the next you know, year or two particularly. But uh, for me, you know, I've... I've I decided to um, call time on my career, so I'm, I'm retiring okay. at the end of this season. So um, really looking forward to, to – it's a bit scary in terms of what's next, but looking forward to sort of, you know, finishing off with a bang and enjoying every moment that I can to play um, with the team that I'm playing with, um, the Mighty Hawks and the girls I'm playing with. So, yeah, looking forward to that, but then looking forward to, um, yeah, having a bit of time where I can, you know, enjoy some weekends and go surfing and – yeah, spend a little bit more time here with the business. So looking forward to being a spectator as well at some football. That'd be nice. Yeah, okay. So you, you'll have a bit of a break. You won't go straight into coaching or? Um, no, probably at this stage oh, I might 
have a bit of a break. I mean, it would really depend. Um, it really depends on circumstances, I guess. So yeah. um, I, I do enjoy coaching. I really do enjoy mentoring younger players, even older players as well, um, and, and help guiding them and to be the best that they can possibly be. So, um, yeah, I, I, do involve, I do enjoy doing that a lot. So it would, it would be circumstantial and it would depend on um, what it would look like as well. But, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely that passion there and, and I love being involved in the game in whatever capacity I can whether it's a spectator or um, from a coaching point of view. so. And how much time do you fit for the coaching side of things for those interested that might want to work here in the off-season? How does it work and um, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, so I, um, I do uh, one-on-one coaching. So it's a, a platform you can, you can find online, one-on-one coaching. So it's just, um, yeah, you just go on there and, register your interest and, and book me in and I can come out and do a, a one-on-one training session. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. Um, you've got to, I basically just need to know what areas you want to work on and, um, and also, you know, as I said earlier, what your strengths are as well in terms of let's make them even better. So that's probably the main, main way of going about it. Awesome. Well, we better wrap up and get ready for the, for the game tonight. Thank you uh, yeah, I know. so much for your I time. Know. And- Fingers crossed it's a good one. And, um, yeah, and, absolutely. And hopefully this lockdown does snap up pretty quickly so you can yeah, you play your, your last two games with, with the Hawks and, and get a couple of wins. That'd be great. Thanks for having me, mate. I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, all the very best to everyone out there. Awesome, Meg. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jack. See you soon. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, game changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently is working at Box Hill Hawks with us. Awesome. So he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful. Plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. 
Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's if having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single minded back then. And, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things. And, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.